0: This is a special COVID 19 edition of the Bedrock Podcast. Check us out at Dovaspark.org. All
1: right. Well, uh, happy Friday. It's a good Friday for those that celebrate that. Uh, My name is Colonel Matt Jones, and we are trying something different today. This is uh, our first attempt to bring our community together using Zoom from all kinds of different parts of the Dover community. Maybe I'll very quickly go around the room and just uh, introduce everybody They can wave as I do that, and then I'll hand it over to our command chief for opening comments. Uh, we have in the upper left-hand corner, Lynn Otis. She is a key spouse, um, originally from the LRS, but more recently from the Comptroller and Wing Staff Agency, and she's our reigning key spouse of the year. I'm next to her on the tiles today. Uh, my name is Colonel Matt Jones. I've been here a couple of years, Um, and I am the uh, installation and the wing commander for the 436 airlift wing. Um, we are lucky to next to me to have chief retired Darcy, uh, from home today. Uh, He is an on base resident. Um, back down. We have our command chief in the wing chief Shay G thanks chief. Uh, next to her is a one C Gianna Lancelotti, um, a member of the 736 AMXS, um, you are not a dorm resident, but I think sitting next to you is Senior Airman Eric Jones, a C 17 loadmaster. Eric, can you confirm, are you a, a dorm resident? No, sir, or, uh, living off base. Okay, uh, Gianna, are you a dorm resident? I, well, I got those backwards, so that's awesome to bring in a little bit of dorm perspective. Um, beneath uh, them is Brittany Jenny, she is retired, representing that population. We've had some problem with her microphone today. And so if you don't get the privilege of hearing her voice, we'll be relaying. Uh, we have a chat feature. And so please don't hold that against her. Um, next to Brittany is Lauren. Uh, she is a DOD civilian out of the contracting squadron. And last but certainly not least is Beth Gonzalez. Beth is a both a command spouse um, as well as a key spouse for the medical group and brings in the spouse um, aspect but also is able to bring in a little bit from the medical group. I'll pause there. This is supposed to be a conversation, so I don't want to go too long-winded and head over to the Command Chief.
2: Hi, good morning, y'all. So this is kind of cool. We started using Zoom and trying to figure it out. So as you see, we're trying to work out the kinks uh, as we go forward, but it's really a great way to put a face uh, to names, but also to have a conversation uh, and get that full kind of spectrum. But thanks for joining today. I think it's important er for everybody to hear from you all but also, more importantly, share uh, what people are sharing with you. Um, so maybe there's things that we haven't thought about um, or see from a different lens that you can help us out with and, and kind of help tailor messages and conversations that we will have in the future uh, with, with everyone. So thanks for joining.
1: All right, Chief. Well, I've just got a couple of opening comments, and then we'll throw it out to the floor for everybody um so the reason we're doing this it's it's interesting this term that we never heard before of social distancing entered our vernacular a little while ago and we've we've realized we're social creatures and so we've actually started to locally uh, in our command use the term physical distancing but i think it's important not just to say that we're a sense of a community um, but to try to do things that reflect that and that's part of what we're doing here today um, with all kinds of different aspects of the dover community um I will tell you that as this challenge has, has gone on, um, I have kind of two singular focus, and that is for the community, their safety and security, and then to balance that with the readiness of our force. And as you probably know, but if you don't, we have missions taking off uh, every single day, um, whether it's training or missions. And so that readiness uh, continues to be important, not just in our traditional role, kind of fighting the war on terrorism and the combat missions, but it increasingly number of humanitarian missions getting after covid Um, i'll give you one statistic that um, will kind of tell you how serious covid 19 is and then hand it over for questions if you look back just three weeks ago um, covid as a killer on the average number of u.s deaths in the united states per day was number 16. so it was not even in the number the top 15. Um, fast forward to four days ago on the 6th of April and COVID was the third leading cause of death in the United States after I think heart disease and cancer. Um, That's on the 6th. Fast forward one more day on the 7th and COVID-19 is the leading killer in the United States of America that fast. And so as we have all wrestled with security, safety, readiness, compassion, uh, changes in policy. Um, There is something very real, and just because the community that we might live in has been doing such a good job of trying to stop the transmission of germs and looking at at at-risk populations and doing the right thing in our house and in our community, you don't have to go very far until it's a really tough story. So I will stop there and open it up to uh, anyone who would like to ask the first question or make the first comment. Go ahead,
3: Lynn. Um, I had a ton of questions from spouses that were sent in. Um, so the first one, do we have a unit care plan in place for the deployed spouses in relation to COVID-19? For instance, if the spouse that's currently single parenting becomes ill or hospitalized and has no one to care for their children, is there anything that we can put in place for assistance?
1: Yeah, so I'll take I'll take a, a stab at that and ask the command chief. And so I think the... The big part of that question is: you're, you become a single spouse because your wife or husband is deployed. And then you potentially get sick. I will tell you right now that in those types of uh, humanitarian issues, first and foremost, the squadrons are stepping up at the squadron level instead of trying to solve all those problems at a at a higher level. Um, I'd be curious if you know if that's a particular issue or if that's just causing somebody anxiety. And maybe if we did a better job communicating or talking about we kind of had a program on the shelf that, that would help in the just-in-case situation. You know, I
3: think in general, spouses would reach out to friends or family, but since they're all restricted right now and staying away from one another, that becomes a an issue.
1: Yeah,
2: thank hey, Yes, sir. So I've had uh, several conversations with spouses. Um, some of them have uh, uh, members that are on remote assignments. So technically, they're not assigned here, but they still live here. Um, and so and then along with the deployment so if those spouses are are not getting reach back uh, the biggest thing is to contact their first sergeant um, so that they can help uh, facilitate that but then I'll definitely reach back to the the command teams and and make sure they're still tracking I had a conversation with the, the chiefs and the superintendents yesterday about making sure that they're continuing to check on everyone to include the deployed spouses um, that are left here Um, but so far I've had good feedback so if we're not getting feedback please make sure that they're either funneling it up to me or uh, to their first sergeant so we make sure that they're not lost because I'm sure there is a few that don't feel comfortable going to their first sergeant uh, because you know that's the military side of the house Um, so definitely they can reach out to me and I can help as well. Okay thank you.
1: Who's next? Go ahead, Chief Darcy. Let
4: me get that mute. Can you hear me, sir?
1: No.
4: Okay. Hey, sir, some of uh, my fellow retirees are a little concerned they're having a tough time getting their children on base to visit, you know, their older children, their older retirees, and getting them to come visit is there an easier way maybe they can meet them up at the gate and just have them come on and bounce for them besides going through all the rigmarole and having a tough time getting
1: them on base? Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, we only have like I think one exception that can maybe help with that. And so part of the changes that we have made was we stopped the trusted traveler program where you can have an an adult, a guest uh, sitting next to you come on through and we also um, don't allow visitors to come on with two exceptions. And one exception is if you're part of the base, uh, you, can have your, you can ask your squadron commander. And the most common exception we're seeing is somebody needs childcare care or, or that sort of help. But at the squadron commander level, um, two levels beneath me, they're able to approve um, visitors. And then the squadron commander will facilitate a process with our visitor center and our security force squadron we will get them on base. The first question folks asked when we made that change was what about folks that are not um, part of that? In your case, particularly living on base, the security force squadron commander um, is, has the authority to act as a squadron commander for all others. And so I think that is, um, that is kind of the exception you're looking for, but they'll ask questions. Hey, are they just here for that birthday party and that social thing? If that's the answer, it's probably gonna be no because we're really trying to stay home um, right now. But if it, if it becomes a difference in somebody being able to, that's mission essential, and they can still come to work um, because they were able to maybe have help with child care or some unique situation, then they'll prove it and you'll still get passes like normal. Does that help you or even answer your question? Uh,
4: yes, sir. But, you know, you're talking about the older retirees that have older children that want to come and check on them and so forth.
1: Okay. Um, so I think if though each of those are case by case, um, you know, you'll see a lot of the, I watched the news last night and you saw a lot of uh, the elderly population that had family visiting them and they were actually visiting them through a window um, to not put them in an in increased risk. But I think the answer is really the same answer of if it's a compelling case or if it's something that matters, uh, we at least have to ask the question and I've decentralized that approval to allow visitors to come on when it makes sense. Um, okay. sir. you have a, Comanche, did you have a follow-up on that one? Um,
2: Yeah, I think we just added an, I realize it's kind of a a harder added step to visitors coming on base, but I think it's for the benefit of everyone, uh, just because uh, most individuals are coming from different locations or, and we're so close to other states. Uh, So in the spirit of what the governor's uh, uh, shelter in place and information, we're trying to do kind of the same thing to make sure everybody has a need to be here um, but if they're not, uh, if, if there is a need and they don't think that it's it's been heard, then yeah, definitely the security forces commander is definitely, he's he's willing to listen. He's very patient. Um, and so he tries to work through everything with each case.
4: Okay. Thank you. I'll put the word out on that. And thank you.
1: You bet. I'm going to ask a question that's coming in by chat and uh, see if we can do it justice. And so it was, it was lengthy, but it was asked in two ways, which helps me kind of summarize it. And so this is talking about So we have new posted uh, commissary days and I might as well just say that in case some folks are hearing it for the first time. And so we are now restricting base access to our retiree um, and their dependent population uh, along with veterans to only Wednesday and Saturdays. The question that came in is part of that policy, are those groups allowed to bring in um, others with them? So if, if those groups are kind of, in some cases lab- labeled as our at-risk population. Um, they are, a retiree is able to bring their dependents um, on those days, but they are, would, would not be able to bring in a guest. And um, uh, Brittany, does that fully answer the question or, or not? And, and uh, while, yeah, so so while maybe you'll get a chance to follow up on chat on whether or not I, I answered it. Um, on those days, the other population, active duty members, and our families are not allowed uh, into the commissary of the pharmacy and, and maybe while you're chatting i'll i'll give you just a kind of a brief explanation one of the leading reasons that drove this change was we had a policy where for two hours in the morning active duty and their family members were shopping and then we um at 11 o'clock in the morning we gave the opportunity for retirees and their families um, or bhic uh, id holders to shop and what we were doing there was having two different populations of people who's oh and then in the third block of time in the afternoon anybody who wanted could shop and what we really had were these two populations and kind of the cross-contamination of germs and so now um, a community gets it for their entire day we went live this Wednesday with our first day and we clean extra on that night in between so when you come in the next day the other thing this did was it gave folks an opportunity Um, if you some people wanted to be the first ones there in the morning And if you were in a retiree group, you never got that chance. Um, Now on two days of the week, you get there. But you have to be careful if every single person shows up right when it opens, you're gonna be in a line that's about 100 people long and we've asked and we've seen this physical distancing work. Um, But let me see your follow up question now too. That's in
2: there. Um, Um, so, So for the, I'll answer while you're reading, sir. So for the veterans that come on base that maybe need added care, or someone that has to be with them to escort them. They work through the same process that the veteran did to get on base uh, with security forces at the visitor center to get them that added um, access uh, to care for those individuals. So they do limit it, but they also are given a pass or a DBIDS ID card as well as that veteran. So as far as we have not been allowing any visitors into the commissary, um, and that's also DECA policy right now, Uh, across the Air Force, uh, just because we we are trying to limit the flow of individuals coming in there as well. We've had the chiefs and the first sergeants uh, that that are pulling duties uh, there, uh, and and we've had a large amount of retiree population uh, try to get there, because in a two-hour time block, uh, they're limited on the time they can be there. So uh, they were rushing to get there, waiting in line, uh, because they really wanted that benefit. Um, And then from yesterday, and then also talking uh, at the gate with visitors as they're coming in, uh, they're very appreciative that they don't have to rush to get to uh, the base at a specific amount of time. Um, so they have a little more leeway during that time frame. Yes, it limits. Uh, access to those that are getting here, but I think the 33% um, cut back. Uh, It also goes, again, I know I'm saying stuff that the governor has put out, um, but he puts out a lot of information and in the spirit of his his message, we really should only be going to these places for essential use um, once a week, um, not every day. So this kind of helps tailor it so our individuals are coming more on a weekly basis versus every day for something.
1: And, and Chief, I'll hand it back to you, Chief Darcy. I'm going to, one, although I think the first couple of questions talking about visitors that I, I think I need to help a little bit with is it's easy if you're in a squadron to just ask what if. If you're not, it's a little harder. I would encourage folks, if they find themselves in that situation, to use the dover.af.mil or Dover Facebook page um, and ask those questions. Um, I've, I, see, I get an opportunity to see some of their back and forth conversation When I say that the security force squadron commander is the approval authority for the, um, just in case issues. Um, that is the way to get in touch with that members email address. Chief.
4: Thank you. Hey, sir, go back to the commissary, please. My wife was there on Wednesday and so many people weren't wearing masks Is it required that they wear a mask in the, um, commissary, even employees that work there and the
1: customers. Yeah. So as the, um, Policy came out from the Secretary of Defense uh, four days ago. Um, there was kind of a grace period as people were getting masks on. On that day, I noticed probably 5 to 10% of the patrons and employees not wearing masks. Um, last night, the Defense Commissary Agency made masks mandatory for patrons as well as employees. And so today, now, now the question becomes, you know, who's going to enforce it? But today, there's no guesswork and this indefinite grace period expired rather abruptly when they put out that policy. Um, but Chief G has a team every single day of chief master sergeants around base, and um, it's really comforting um, when everyone's wearing the mask, uh, and especially if someone working behind the counter or at the register is not. So as of today, it's mandatory, and we were, we were working our way towards that policy, but now um, it's, it's at every commissary in the country. All right, let's get someone else in. Go ahead, I saw Lynn.
3: I have a couple more questions about the masks. Um, I've seen a lot of other bases come out with guidance on it on specific colors or specific types. Will we be seeing that at Dover Air Force Base?
1: Chief, you want to take the first half of that? And if not, I can help out.
2: Sure. So so we're we're looking for conservative, right? We know that, that everybody is, we have a ton of spouses that are making them now to kind of help facilitate. Um, so we know it's going to be a little harder to initially get masks. Um, so first and foremost, I would rather them protect themselves. But again, you know, there's certain things that you shouldn't wear. Don't grab the t-shirt that you're going to make it with that has profanity on it. Um, so being, um, kind of on the conservative, I know I used, uh, old, uh, brown t-shirts, um, to make, make some, um, and I am not the most crafty, uh, but I want everybody to know that use a mask, be safe with a mask, uh, but just be, be conscious of what what you're putting on your face, um, not necessarily. Uh, it should be conservative, but we realize that everybody's trying
3: to find them. Yeah, so I'm- okay, and then uh, another part to that question is: some other bases are requiring the CDC children to wear them if they're above the age of two. Is that anything that we'll be implementing here?
2: So I asked. I actually shot that message to to our team um, that's over the CDC, and they're working on it. Um, I, I I give plenty of um, props to any CDC workers that can help facilitate um, our two two years and up uh, to get them to wear the mask and constantly wear the masks. But it's also going to be uh, getting the parents to help us facilitate that conversation too. Um, and that's a little harder group, but they are working through it right now to figure out what that means and what that looks like. Okay. Thank you.
1: One, one piece on the mask, you know, so this focus of you need to wear a black mask or you need to wear a tan mask or a camouflage mask, that's if you're in uniform. Um, and even then, and you know, I'll echo what the chief said, which is we're in a period of, of common sense. If you're not in uniform, whatever bandana you have, that's fine, um, that's not that big a deal. We are also racing to buy and purchase um, these for both our airmen and our uh, civilian that, that come to work. You know, we're not able to buy them for every visitor that were to come on base. Um, But for those that are coming to work, we have a little bit of an obligation. We just can't get them fast enough. And so as people are making them, we're encouraging that. Yeah, the CDC one's tough. There are many bases that have been talking about that. One of the challenges is not just the fitting, but but how do you get a three-year-old or a four-year-old to to not keep fidgeting? But I don't think that we can give up on that. Uh, Before I hand it over, there was a question on post office, uh, guidance on post office and vet clinic. And I don't know if that's related. Is that to masks, uh, Brittany? or other policies, okay, all, all, all of it. So um, one of the, you know, I think those are both environments. So here's the other piece that for us all to think about in wearing a mask. The requirement to wear a mask is when you can't um, prevent yourself from social distancing. Your interactions are gonna be forced to be in close contact like you would in a doctor's office or a veterinary, or I think the post office too, when you're right across the, so those are the times that you should have that. Now, if it goes back to what days of the week you can use, you can use that, um, we have restricted access to a retiree population for only, only two days of the week. And so they are certainly welcome on those days, but we've only um, given exclusive access to two places on base. And that's the med group clinic on those days and the commissary. And so um, for anyone that can get on base, um, it's shared access at all of the facilities with the exception of the commissary and the pharmacy, so, all right. Next question. What about one of our? What about one of our airmen? Um, you had a little time to think about this. What's on your mind? you just gonna. All right. We got a wave from, from Eric Jones. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, yes, sir. I think the biggest concern coming kind of from ops from our squadron is basically what are we doing to protect the crews once they get on the road. Um, as far as disinfecting the aircraft, disinfect, if we had passengers on board, you know, disinfecting all the seats, everything like that, what are we doing, um, to protect our crews on the road? And then once they get back our, even if we don't show symptoms, are we still able to get tested? I know that the incubation periods that two to 14 days, most of the, um, signs are kind of in that five to eight day window but are are the crews when they get back are they able to get tested at any time um whether they show the symptoms or not yeah so a two-part question so um in our logistic channels um the way they refer to this is air mobility command a 4 the four stands for logistics they have put out specific guidance on post-flight requirements for sanitizing it on top of that um, our test and research laboratories right now have taken all the aircraft, um, and they are um, they are seeing how germs spread in aircraft. Think of you know um, blowing smoke through the aircraft to see where if it's in one part, where it might show up in another part of the of the aircraft. And so those are some of the things that have been done there. Um, higher risk missions, we're starting to issue air crew masks um, if there is potentially uh, infected or sick passenger on board and all of this is is kind of an an evolution. Um, the second part of your question which i think there there is probably some demand for not just air crew but everybody in general which is hey i would i just wonder if i may not be having symptoms but i may have covid. And we've been very consistent here. And so i'll tell you something that we're going that we're doing that you may know and you may like and something that not just air crew but everyone may be a little frustrated with and that is you can't get a test at Dover Air Force base unless a doctor a physician um, thinks that you need it. The reason is there is not enough testing capacity and the amount of turnaround time that it takes to get the test back to let all of us who wonder if we have it or maybe had it in the past and now have antibodies. Um, So instead, a physician has to look at if you're ill, not just if you're ill, but if you're ill with symptoms that are unique to COVID-19. And so no, at this point, folks are not able to get tested. we, if things got worse and air crew started to get infected and it started to impact our mission, we would consider trying to get some exceptions there so that we had a certain pool of operators, um, you know, crew chiefs, loadmasters, pilots that we knew were safe. Um, and then they would be kind of isolated and put in their own situation. The good news is we're nowhere close to, to needing to do that right now, but what we are doing for the air crew, when they get back, having traveled around the world and literally are coming back from Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, every day of the week. Um, we have the luxury where they give we give them time off, and we have not been forced to put them right back out. If they have a family member who is immune compromised, um, the government right now is funding up to two weeks of that member to stay in a hotel so that they don't have to have this unknown condition to expose their family. And so there are a lot we're doing there. One is not putting them right back out into more missions and two is giving them the opportunity to separate. But we are not yet at the point of taking the limited testing that's available and um, using that for a large population of people who who want to know. Um, Beth, anything from the medical group on that that that, uh, you wanted to clarify? I know um, you probably are aware of some of that.
0: that I would just say um, you know everything that Colonel John said is correct and it's um, based on CDC guidelines so that's the CDC guideline is that unless you are showing symptoms um, directly related to COVID um, you have to have that but then you also have to either um, have been in contact with someone who has tested positive so there are some specific things that the CDC sets aside and and that's the guidance that we're using to determine who gets tested so we just we're not just testing everyone, because like Colonel Jones said, we do have a very limited amount of tests and we can't just test everyone, so.
2: Hey, sir, Colonel Jones, I have a question for you. Are you able to talk about um, why we closed the pharmacy down?
1: Well, um, sure. So, um, by the way, today is the first day that our pharmacy is back open. And so, um, let me be just as candid as I can. Uh, There was a member of the Dover community who tested positive for COVID-19. As a result of that member, one of the things we do, and this goes right back to what Beth said in the CDC, is we do contact tracing. Who who were the members potentially around? And that's not done by a layman um, or even a commander. It's done by professionals in the public health world. And so the consequence of a member of the Dover community becoming positive for COVID-19 required us out of this abundance of caution to close our pharmacy temporarily. Um, part of that closing is, is clean and, and coming up with new plans as it reopens. It did reopen today, and uh, maybe this is the opportunity where I can um, put some good news out to try to show you how consistent we're trying to stay with this balance of germs and readiness and security. Um, come Monday, we are starting a curbside pickup program whether you're at risk, retiree, active duty, dependent, family member, um, come Monday as you pull up to the pharmacy you'll stay in your car so you don't have to have that added concern of standing in lines and um, airmen around base are volunteering their time. Um, Certainly the medical group is all in in this project but so are airmen that are not from the medical group to allow the volume um, of customers to get their medicine. But let let me kind of remind us all that um, going to the grocery store going to the pharmacy going to the hardware store right now should be things that you really need and so part of what we're encouraging all of our populations to do and i've done it myself are sign up for online medicine when possible Um, and there's some people that that sign up process may take a couple of days Um, there's still a nominal copay and while it might be nominal to one family another family that might be a hardship um, so reopening the pharmacy we're really excited on what that provides for not quite business as normal um, but those that need it but many of us if you can afford to and if you've taken the time to get your pharmacy through Express, express scripts um, you are gonna be able to stay at home and take this statistics that I talked about at the beginning and, and keep those from from getting worse um, but it is open again today um, and not Saturday but Monday is the first day that we're gonna try this this curbside pickup. So hopefully that answered your question. I'll take another question. While we do that, I'll read. I saw, um, I saw a question come in. Uh, so I'll need a second to read that one, but I'll, uh, Lynn, did you have another one?
3: I was just going to ask how people utilize the curbside pickup. Is there a number to call or how do how do they initiate that?
1: No. So they're filling of, you know, um, the phone number that they might be used to on their bottle. To, um, to get refills uh, if they're not doing the online uh, pharmacy or if they're not going to their local pharmacy you know um, cbs rite aid or any of those businesses if they've called their order in and it's ready for pickup they just show up and someone will interact with them at the window with protective gear on and, and do that if they are trying to have their pharmacy filled on the spot you know there'll be allowances for that but everyone's going to have to have some extra patience because we don't know how much extra time this is going to take. The metrics in our pharmacy here locally for how long you wait for medicine are phenomenal. So the only thing we know is this process is going to take a little longer. Um, And we think the, you know, the first day there might be a couple of bugs to be worked out, uh, which is why we have extra volunteers. Um, Command Chief, did you have a chance to read the uh, question that came in?
2: Yes, sir, I did. So so while it's two days in pharmacy, the majority of our retiree population uses the pharmacy versus inpatient care. Um, so while yes, we're limiting it, um, realizing that that we took a huge look at this because we didn't want to fully just stop allowing access to the base Um, So we are trying to make sure that we still are able to take care of all the populations while we go through this. Not to say that later on that could change and get more restrictive based on where we're at uh, with uh, COVID-19, but Colonel Jones, I think, and the team have really had long conversations, um, hard conversations about making sure that we at least have some sort of care for our at-risk and retiree veteran populations. So limiting it to two days, yes, maybe for some... Um, less of a convenience, but again, in the spirit of what the governor says is is looking at once a week, um, getting that stuff done versus every day, um, trying to accomplish something uh, when it comes to essential groceries or pharmacy or or medical care at the extent possible. But I know our medical team, and I'm sure Beth will probably have some more inputs there, our medical team are working tireless tirelessly um, to take care of everybody the best way they can and in the safest way because patient uh, the safety of the patients comes first and that's a priority Um, so I know Colonel Jones wants to make sure I think we all want to make sure that that our retirees our veterans um, have earned this Um, and so we are trying to make sure that we are able to at least give them some care versus no care
1: chief and let me jump back into the chat Um, I got a chance to read that while you were answering the question so it's a it's a question about those with a compromised immune system. And I can't pronounce the, the medicine, but uh, some are particularly hard to fill. And there seems to be, reading the question, some national challenges on inventory of this medicine. And the question is, will they still um, be able to get that here or still be able to get filled on base? So policy-wise, there'll be no changes in what you can get on base and what you can't. What I don't know right now is If there are particular medicines that we're struggling on inventory just like they are downtown sometimes there's areas that we're doing better than downtown and sometimes there's areas where they're doing better but there are no policy restrictions on us filling the hard to get medications that i'm aware of um, for that um i wanted to ask lauren from the contracting squadron so you represent a a very large population almost a thousand that we have on base that are our dod civilians what are you hearing or what concerns, um, or how is that group of uh, civilian airmen doing?
0: As far as I know, sir, the only challenge that we currently have with those of us teleworking is the VPN connection. Um, I, do, I heard yesterday that the number of uh, users was increased for us to allow us to telework and still complete our mission. Um, but I think right now, the only concern is the connection aspect Um, I do have a question, if I could sidebar you for a second. Um, What, is the post office still available to civilians for um, official business?
1: Uh, Command Chief, I'll have you back me up, but I don't think there's any restrictions on the post office um, for civilians for official business. You know, I do believe if you're in a population that has restricted access to Wednesday and Saturday, you could only access, you could only get on base on those two days. But uh, for a DOD civilian, for official business, I don't, I'm not aware of any restrictions. Command Chief, are you?
2: Um, no, sir, I know there was some conversation on social media with, with, uh, at the post office, but if you're on base, uh, you, are, you are authorized to use it uh, for official business uh, and all of that as long as it meets the criteria for official business. But the post office is remaining open as long as uh, downtown post office uh, gives us an employee and we haven't heard anything of them closing that to us.
0: Okay, Okay, thank you, because I know the construction team was concerned about um, incoming bonds and paperwork for their projects and whether they could access them and pick them up or not. Yeah,
2: I think the the biggest thing is you're gonna be in close proximity with someone else, so it goes back to the mask thing and making sure they're protected as well as they're protecting uh, everybody they come in contact with.
0: Thank you.
1: uh, Airman Lancelotti, what are you, uh, what are you hearing from the dorms um, as far as kind of concerns or, or observations?
0: Um, personally, I'm not seeing very much. Um, we don't really get out very much. We're, there's a very
1: big population of us and we just kind of sit in our dorms a lot. Uh, when I do go out, I, there's a chance I'll see some other people in cars going, going to Wawa, going to McDonald's, but they seem to be practicing good social distancing from what I can tell. Um, I've seen a lot of people with masks. So I think that us as dorm residents, I think we're taking it very seriously. But um, I don't see any
0: problems or questions for it that much.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a tough challenge. You know, if you're used to interacting with people and uh, at least I get to go home and I've got a wife and two daughters um, and you're in a dorm and you're kind of all by yourself. Um, and so that's a really important one for me to make sure that the base are providing some areas for entertainment. I've started to see some real creative uh, Zoom trivia nights, um, you know, where people can kind of um, feel a little bit less isolated. Um, good news is we've, we've uh, been able to at this point still allow people to get out and go for a jog, go for a walk, go for a hike and do exercising. We don't think that's a, a crazy risk. Um, but I am concerned a little bit about how hard that might be for your mental well-being in a dorm environment, and then at, and then the temptation, at the end of that, um, to try to seek that human contact with right now that we're asking um, to be done virtually. Command chief, I know um, you had a couple initiatives over at the dorms. This is a really this is a really tough challenge, especially if it goes on for weeks and months longer. Thoughts?
2: yeah so so we 've had the u s o they put some some snacks some games uh, that you could play by yourself or or uh, uh, practice social distancing with your people um, so they they started that initiative um, They are willing to do it again. they just need contact from us if it 's needed so it, if you 're not getting um, all the snacks and treats you want from from the, the dining facility or the or the shop at uh, me posted, uh, but another thing is I know we've seen leaders, um, first sergeants, chaplains, etc. Up in the dorms, so if there are questions and comments, uh, make sure you bring them up. Um, they've been funneling up everything to me, so if I can help with something, I also know we have people that, that want to get out, do sports, do recreation. Uh, Basketball has been a big one because the weather's been so beautiful, um, but just learning what social distancing is. So it may not be that three on three contact sport. It may just be uh, playing horse, etc. cetera, where, where we've got to learn a new norm of, of social interaction with physical distancing. So I think our dorm residents are doing a really, really good job, um, but they're also forwarding questions and comments and concerns to everybody else. In, in their leadership chain so which is good and that's what we need to know
1: And it looks like uh, our previous conversation on um, hard-to-get high-demand pharmaceuticals so Jenny I I wrote down the particular one that's I think been in the news that you're interested in and uh, when we follow up here I'll I'll ask our medical team if if they can give you any more specific information I would be completely guessing if that particular one is available here or not just because I don't know but uh, I've got your name and i'll work through our public affairs team to make sure we follow up with you on on the specific question if that helps okay we've got uh probably another five minutes uh we've gotten a lot of people in conversation lynn do you have anything else from uh, the broader spouse group that reached out to you
3: thank you um i've got a couple more i'll try to run through them real quickly Um, I know there are plans in place to ensure that an active duty member quarantines when they test positive. Is there anything in place for dependents or spouses to ensure that they are quarantining for the safety of others?
1: Yeah that's great. Um, So when a member positive of COVID-19, I talked a little bit about our public health professionals. So I have delegated to those professionals the ability to issue orders. Um, and They issue those orders um, to dependents as well as DOD civilians, as well as military. Um, and and those those orders, you know, once received, talk about the restriction of movement, you know, and, and staying in your room or in your residence, depending on the situation, for 14 days. Um, some of those, if you live downtown, you might think are hard to enforce, and I think I agree with that. Um, but I will, I will tell you, we go through that, and um, you won't be able to get on the base if you're in quarantine or you're isolated, because part of those orders um, don't allow that and our systems are now mature enough along the way um, that we'll prevent that access um, to make sure that we're doing our side of the game. So yeah, those orders apply to everybody. Um, they're really for everyone's benefit and they're really, uh, they really are hard. Uh, we talked about the airman who lives in the dormitory. Um, that's what they've been through you know, for, for a lot of this time, but they're for everyone's best good and just know that they're not being handed out by a commander or anyone even with common sense, but instead by a public health professional and they happen every single day, um, but only based on actual results and the exposure and proximity to people um, that had those results. I'll give you one more question, since you had, you had a couple of quick ones.
3: Um, as the weather warms up, uh, a couple spouses have voiced concern that people are going to start congregating on base in large groups. Large groups of kids playing. So, what will be, uh, and how will that be enforced?
1: Yeah. So, there's probably two levels of enforcement right now that. Um, one that always works and that's just kind of commute being a good member of the community and so you know you will see a husband and wife or a father and daughter going for a walk walking the dog that's okay i mean they're living together they're not able to physical distance inside their house Um, sometimes you might see two families going for a walk and they're they're keeping their distance um but at some point in time you're going to probably witness something and i think you're right i think it's with warm weather that kind of puts you beyond your comfort zone and, and the best thing I can say is that as members of the community, whether you're on or off base, we have to be willing to have the courage to challenge one another and say, um, and say that. Um, our defenders um, are increasingly uh, becoming kind of community police members, and they haven't arrested anybody, but they have started to ask questions when they see things. Hey, where are you headed today? Um, where are you going? Hey, did you know that you can only be going places that you really need to go to, like the grocery store, like the doctor's office? And so those are all the tools that we have available. You will see the state of Delaware had some checkpoints to see if people were coming in from out of state or not. And so this is something we all have to do together. And I think you're right. I think warm weather will give people more temptation. And I think we all have an obligation, especially as things start to get a little bit better, to just wait another week or wait another two weeks um, to make sure that this doesn't come right back. Okay, um, we got your couple in. Is there anyone else that has a burning question? Go ahead, Beth.
0: I a burning question. Um, I just wanted to pipe in to, to kind of talk about the large groups. Um, security forces does drive around um, and just kind of make sure everybody is, you know, keeping their distance and um, doing what they're supposed to. We have seen, um, even in our neighborhood, there have been large groups trying to congregate on the basketball courts, um, and they have come down and had to talk to them and, and disperse them. So it is happening. Um, And we've had people in our neighborhood talk to groups to say, hey, you know, you're not and and you just you're not you're not looking to be the police. You're just looking to remind people, hey, we're trying to keep our distance. We're trying to keep people safe. Um, And then the last thing I would say is um, just to remind everyone how hard that not only everyone on base is working to kind of deal with this COVID problem, but the med group is working tirelessly to make sure that we are still providing a high level of patient care, even if we can't see people in person. Um, we're still doing virtual appointments. I've seen a lot of people talk on the Women of Dover pages, especially um, about worrying about, you know, are we just stopping care altogether? Um, if I can't come in, am I not going to be able to, if I have a baby, am I not going to be able to register the baby for care? We are absolutely open for business. We are taking care of patients, and it's our number one priority. Um, and we want to try to keep everyone safe, keep everyone healthy, and keep ourselves safe um, because we can't have the med group go down. So um, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows that we are doing the best we can, working tireless hours, long hours, long days, moving to six days a week to really try to accommodate our entire population. So. Just wanted to say thanks to everyone for their support and their patience um, because we're gonna need a lot of it as we finish this
1: out yeah Beth, those are some good points there so we've never had our clinic open on a Saturday before and so that's on the backs of of our medics Um, and maybe just take a moment as you're driving through the gate or you're shopping um, or you're getting uh, an appointment at the med group to not only thank them for what they're doing Some of them have a certain amount of anxiety and fear over their continued reaction, but they don't have the luxury of whether or not they want to come in. You're a housekeeper at Lodgy and some of that. And so just some of the basic um, kindness and thanks, I think would go a long ways. You know, every crisis has their heroes. And in this particular crisis, um, you know, the the heroes don't even wear uniforms all the time. Um, Sometimes they do. but. Um, There's some real fear in those communities, and they're still, they're still coming to work. So Beth, I appreciate kind of the way that you highlighted that. Um, and it's amazing how much help you can get through the phone on a lot of your care. And then if you need to come in, at least only the people that are coming in are the people that need to. We continue to have medical screening at our gate if you need to see a doctor, um, and you'll get screened on your way in and you'll get a wristband. Um, by the way, one of the other changes when we open up the uh, pharmacy curbside pickup, um, you won't necessarily have to be screened to come in base if you're not gonna be getting out of your car. So more to follow on that. Um, okay, I'm gonna wrap it up here just so um, we can get on. We've been going just a little short of an hour. I'm gonna give our command chief a, a chance to wrap it up and then I'll say something and we'll, we'll get off. chief.
2: Sure, sir. So I just wanna say um, thanks for y'all's time. I think it's really, really important while we're taking care of um, the support factors are working tirelessly to understand that that while we're doing it for the good of everyone, our uh, mission generators and our operations group, they are working, they are doing their same mission day in, day out um, to keep missions going. So while we don't necessarily see them on the front lines right now, we're trying our best to also protect them. And and their families uh, when when they're not being seen, but they're working hard as well. So thanks for all of you all for joining the team uh, and being on this call. I think it's important for people to hear other voices sometimes than just us and, and realize that that we're listening, we're we're hearing. And of course, uh, and I'm sure Colonel Jones will say this, but anytime you all want to reach out and ask questions, um, I, I know I'm I'm a social media fanatic, so I keep on it. Um, Sometimes my husband doesn't like it too much, but um, I do my best. Um, so please feel free to reach out, whether it's on email, social media, et cetera, with questions. Um, but thanks for being uh, honest, asking some of the tough questions. Um, y'all are important to us. So thank you.
1: Thanks, Command thanks, Chief. Um, you know, I'll just wrap up by saying thanks. Thanks for taking a chance um, with us today. You know, what, one of the things we've done a couple of town halls that were Facebook virtual Facebook live town halls. And as good as those are, we'll get about 200 questions and we we don't get a chance to answer them all in real time. I wanted to do this today um, to be as transparent as I can, to allow you to ask questions that were on your mind. And and I really appreciate the amount of thought that each of you put into it. Uh, I think we're gonna do this again. Uh, I will tell you, we are gonna do another Facebook town hall Monday at noon, and that will be live. Um, I am gonna take today's Zoom session and see if I can't put that online as well, so people can learn from your questions and our answers. Um, but this was very productive, and this is as transparent as I can get: is get different groups of the community that are affected by this change in our routine in different ways, and see if there's something we've just overlooked. See if there's a policy that needs to change, or if nothing else, just get the word out. So I want to thank each and every one of you. Have a wonderful weekend, and maybe we'll see you on the uh, Facebook Live town hall. Thanks.